Welcome to the Atlanta Fringe Audio 2021, brought to you by the Atlanta Fringe Festival. To learn more about the Atlanta Fringe Festival, go to atlantafringe.org. This show is for general audiences. It may contain mild language, but has no overt violent or sexual content. Disastrous mishaps, mortifying flubs, happy accidents, and heroic ad-libs. I'm Lori Winkle, and this is Never Say Macbeth, the podcast about the unpredictability of life on the stage and how we cope with major surprises. This week, I had a chat with the hilarious actor-slash-comedian Ben Oksher, based in Chicago, though he's originally from Kansas City, which is where we met. You might actually be familiar with Ben's work in the troupe Friend Dog Studios. This is a comedy trio whose videos such as Drunk Trump and GOP Jesus have gone viral. Well, Friend Dog Studios also produces theater, but we're going to circle back to that. For now, Ben is going to take us to a student matinee way back in high school when he was all of 15. It was a production of Beauty and the Beast, um, but not the Disney Beauty and the Beast because they couldn't afford the rights to that. So it was <laughs> like it, it was like an off-brand Beauty and the Beast musical. So it's this off-brand Beauty and the Beast where everybody's name is a little bit different and, you know, there are songs that sort of parallel the Disney songs but aren't them. So already <laughs> we're already we're in interesting territory. And um, I was actually... I had done a lot of shows as an actor with this particular program. And I should say... Uh, I should preface it by saying... Um, I did a lot of shows with this place. Most of them were wonderful experiences. This show was an anomaly in terms of how terrible <laughs> everything went. But um, so I'm, I'm guessing you're not comfortable naming names. It's okay if you're not. But I was just I'm fr- no, I'm not going to use anybody's names. If 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 you <laughs> no if anyone bothered to look me up, it wouldn't take them long to figure out what program I'm talking about and what show. But <laughs> but, you know, just uh, for the sake of manners, I just I won't name any names. Um, but so I uh, for this particular show, I was actually in the pit band. Uh, I was playing a uh, bass guitar in the pit band. I was playing a bass part that I had written because there wasn't they wanted a bass in the pit, but there there wasn't a bass part written. So I'm making up a bass part in the pit band. Uh, there were four distinct disasters uh, that happened in this show. And I can't remember exactly what order they all happened in. So I'm just going to tell it in order of escalating uh, damage as far as I'm concerned. The first thing was uh, we're doing, we did a lot of school day shows, you know, it's like a morning show. And you've got kids uh, from schools. And this was a very large theater. So it set, it fit up to a thousand kids. And I don't know if we ever filled it, but each time we did one of these school day shows, there were hundreds of kids. And we were doing it one morning. And at intermission, someone backstage flipped a breaker and the power went out. Uh, and somebody managed to get the power back on, except... Somehow, we still didn't have any power 
to the pit. So the instruments, which were, with the exception of drums, all electric, none of them worked. It's a school day show we can't hold because these kids are on a specific schedule. You know, at a certain point, the buses are going to come and get them. So we have to just keep going. So they, they did the entire act two acapella. Um, uh. So picture, <laughs> picture like... Picture like 35 teenagers doing an acapella off-brand Beauty and the Beast musical. Um, Oh, my God. For a brief moment, I ran downstairs to the green room. Somebody had an acoustic guitar. I brought the acoustic guitar up, and I attempted to improvise like an acoustic guitar, (laughs) like an unplugged uh, uh accompaniment which was a disaster so eventually i just stopped because i was making it worse and these kids soldiered through that's pretty good thinking though it would have been if i was a more skilled guitarist but they (laughs) were uh they soldiered through they made it all the way through the end of the show somebody came up to me afterwards and they were like i thought that was a really interesting choice and i was like what choice like that the second half um there was no music i'm like that wasn't a choice (laughs) why who in their right mind all right, so so that's incident number one. Incident number two. You may recall in Beauty and the Beast, the backstory of this whole thing, the way that the Beast became what he was, is that he's a prince, and then he's visited by this enchantress, right, who puts this curse right. on him. So much like in the Disney film, there is a scene uh, in this uh, portrayal that shows the Enchantress visiting the Beast, putting a spell on him, etc. Et uh, in order to give the Enchantress more of a mystique, uh, they decided to make her very, very tall. And the way they did that was they put this young girl in a very, very long dress and then just had her sit on the shoulders of... Uh, I almost said his name. They had they had her sit on the shoulders of of my friend who we'll call Patrick. Um, so Patrick has this girl on his shoulders, and he's totally covered in dress. Right. So we're doing this for I don't know, like the second or third time maybe. And he is downstage right. The pit band is directly in front of where he's standing. So the lip of the stage is maybe uh, six feet up above floor level, which is where which is where the pit is. Oh, no. He's he's walking out uh. Uh, stage right. He's entering. And as he's walking, it occurs to me he can't see where he's going at all. Like, the, why you're would, the first person that's occurred to. Right. I was like, why? Why would he be able to see? He has a dress over his face. Nobody thought like eye holes would be a good idea. Yeah. Or just maybe we don't. She doesn't have to be eight feet tall. Like it's not necessary to the story at all. (laughs) She's just a witch, right? Right. Right. This is like a budget defying gravity. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We don't have the rig for that. Exactly. So she is. So he's walking and then. I, you know how when terrible things happen, you watch them in slow motion. Um, I, oh, I, I, yeah, I, I no sooner thought he can't see where he's going than I watched in slow motion as he took a step off the front of the stage, uh, fell forward, and both of them landed on top of the instruments 
in the in the pit. There's this huge crash. Which instruments? Uh, well, uh, the keyboard specifically, the keyboard and the mu- and the music stand. Okay, there are some that might hurt more. I was thinking. Right, like. right. Well, and the other thing was it. Like a drum set. Yeah, that would have that may that may have been worse. The other thing was it was actually my keyboard. Um, oh. And so as I watched them fall, I was simultaneously really concerned for their well-being and also thought that they had broken my $1,500 keyboard. Luckily, they didn't. Uh, so uh, it was it was OK. But, I, you know, I can't I don't think we even stopped. Uh, I, we stopped long enough that they stood up and we sort of brushed them off and we were like, are you guys okay? And they went, yeah. And then they <laughs> went back on and just finished the scene. I don't think she, I don't think he finished the scene with the girl on his shoulders. That was a, that was a little freaky. Um, another night <laughs> there was, there were two things that happened in regard to a central set piece. Uh, this was the beast's castle. And the way it was constructed is you've got a large square base and that base is on wheels. Uh, Built on top of that base is a two level castle, which rotates. Okay, so um, it was it was pretty clever and it looked pretty cool, but they didn't think all the things totally through because uh, these it was largely like parent volunteers and people who didn't really know how to do theater stuff. So um, at one point in the show, the beast is on the second level of this uh, castle and he's singing this solo and stagehands come out to push the whole castle set piece downstage for his solo. But apparently nobody ever spiked where to stop pushing. So Uh. the front wheels of this thing and bear in mind, the base of this set piece is probably probably like 12 feet diagonally. The front two wheels go off the front of the lip of the stage, which again Uh. is is like. Uh, six, seven feet uh, above floor level. Uh, And the beast is still on the top. So at this point, he's maybe, I don't know, 20 feet above floor level, just dangling. And the audience, the audience, which is filled with hundreds of children, screams. I mean, I'm never going to forget the sound of that scream. Uh, they all scream for the beast's life. And then somebody comes up to the lip of the stage and they push the platform back up onto the stage. And the beast, uh, God bless him, consummate professional, he never stops singing. He gives a little, <laughs> he gives a little like head shake of acknowledgement and like gesture of thank you for not killing me. And he continues <laughs> And he finishes his solo. And then later in the same in the same show, uh, they go to push the platform, the set piece downstage again. No. And just in a Pavlovian response, 
the audience screams again. They didn't <laughs> even push it. They, they didn't even push it anywhere near the lip this time. But the audience just saw the platform start to move forward and screamed in terror because they were sure the beast was going to die. So oh um, uh, so that was the third thing. Here's the fourth thing. One more thing happened. This also uh, involved that set piece. As I said, it was on a, a square base and then the two floor set piece rotated on top of that base. Jeez. So there's a scene, there's a scene so I'm picturing where like a you, like a layer cake is it is it kind of like yes, looking like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Oh god. Um so there's a scene where the beast throws Gaston out of the castle. Um uh and and kills him, right? I think that happens in the Disney movie too. I can't remember how Gaston yes. dies. And well, and also I should say, I also should say his name wasn't Gaston, uh, because <laughs> this was this was the Doctor Thunder of uh, of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> but what was it? Do you remember? It was uh, Henri. 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 Yeah. So uh, the Beast, uh, you know, in the big climactic scene, tosses Henri out of the castle, and here's how that was supposed to go. Um, he was supposed to toss him again from the, the second, uh, the second level of this set piece all the way down to floor level onto a crash pad. But once again, no one had marked exactly where to rotate the set, exactly what angle no one had, no one had spiked it. So on this particular night, the, the set was not rotated at the correct angle and the beast takes not Gaston and he throws him out of the castle. And instead of hitting the crash pad on the floor, which again, remember this is like, this is a drop of mm, 15 to 20 feet. Instead of hitting the crash pad, he hits the masking wall that's supposed to be hiding the crash pad <laughs> Uh, and then he falls over onto the crash pad and then he, and then the masking wall starts to fall and he grabs the wall and he pulls it back up because that's the important thing, you know, right now is that the walls stay intact. I'm, I'm watching this happen from, you know, the pit, which is a, we're, we're, we're right in front of stage, right? Uh, the crash pad and the masking wall are right in front of downstage left. And I'm watching this and I kind of stop playing and I wait. And then I see not Gaston's hand come up over the masking wall in a thumbs up, like an, I'm still alive. You can keep going. <laughs> and, and so we're just like, okay, guess he's not dead. Ba ba da ba da ba ba da 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 <laughs> um so no one survives uh, toppling set pieces like not Gaston. Exactly. Henri? It was Henri. Henri, Henri. Uh yeah, so uh, we all had a little bit of PTSD when everything was uh said and done. There were lessons learned. Uh, yeah. There were um miraculously no lawsuits brought. Um <laughs> but I I have never seen that many people get hurt in a show ever. 
I feel like, uh, you know, we were the, the youth theater equivalent of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark or something. <laughs> but with a longer Just, run, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Just in terms of uh, near casualties. So uh, every time... Every time I think that, you know, I'm in a show where something has gone wrong or I feel like complaining about like, oh, I tripped or whatever. I remember I remember the Dr. Thunder version of Beauty and the Beast and how I'm very lucky to be alive. Usually I ask actors, uh, what do you think you learned from this production? But that aided your future acting career, but I think that's pretty on the nose right there. So. Right. I learned that spike marks are important. That's, that's <laughs> what I learned. I used to get really annoyed. I used to get really annoyed when I would be able to see like a stage like littered with spike marks, but now I'm like, nope, you do what you got to do. I'm, I'm amazed they didn't fix that set after the first several incidents. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. As far as like pushing it off stage, I think after that they did, you know, they're like, oh, right, we need to spike this. We need to spike where it stops moving forward. But then, you know, they didn't have the same foresight to say, oh, we need to spike where we rotate it. You know, like it was just it was like every no one knew how to prevent uh, accidents. It was just everything was just reactionary. (laughs) Like, oh, right. When people can't see, they walk off stages. Guess they should see. Oh, right. When we don't spike it, we push things off the stage. Guess we should spike it. Like, it (laughs) it was terrible. It was terrible. You can follow Ben's work by searching Friend Dog Studios on any and all social media platforms and feasting your eyes on some amazing sketch comedy, like the entire series of Drunk Trump videos. Or if you're based in Chicago, you can catch The Ballad of Lefty and Crab. That's the show Friend Dog Studios has produced with Underscore Theater Company that's currently getting rave reviews, though I hear it's no Dr. Thunder, Beauty and the Beast. Hopefully the set's a little more stable in that one. That is, once again, The Ballad of Lefty and Crab. It's a comedic musical, running a little bit longer so you can catch it until July 14th at the Understudy in Chicago. That is, if you're lucky enough to get a ticket before it sells out. Hello, quarantine buddies. So, for a show about stage disasters, we have been hit, obviously, with the biggest one yet, even bigger than Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Now, nobody is tuning into a humorous theater podcast to hear more about COVID, so I'm just going to say this really quick, and then hopefully some stories will bring a little levity to the situation. Freelancers and artists are being hit especially hard right now with projects we poured our hearts into for months, canceled abruptly, no income to weather the next however long this lasts, and we're all trying to twist this isolation and fear into something beautiful, because expression is what we do, and we finally have all the ample free time we thought we wanted to write the next great American musical, or dick around on the ukulele that's been collecting dust since college. That's a beautiful sentiment, and I for one have cried at just about every video I've seen of Italians singing Celine Dion songs to each other from their respective balconies, but I've had a lot of conversations lately with friends over Zoom, of course, about the mounting pressure we feel to create, 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 and I just kind of want to play devil's advocate right now. If you're feeling immobilized with worry or loneliness, that's completely valid. We're in the middle of a global crisis, so for God's sake, don't be so hard on yourself. 
you as a person are more than just your currency within this industry, and the industry is on pause, so just take a breath. I mean, I for one took about three weeks to finally finish stringing this episode together, even though this is one where I literally just let my guests do all the work on solo storytelling. Which is fine, because he's a fabulously funny and charming person. My point is, our free time isn't exactly free. Maybe you've got to unbury yourself from all this existential dread before inspiration finally strikes you again. That's okay. Just post about some stuff you did last year, and sit back and watch some dang Netflix like everybody else if that's all you feel capable of right now. Or, God forbid, call your mother. I know she hasn't heard from you in a while. You can go back to being high-powered booking machine when you're feeling ready. We've got time. Just be good to yourself, and be good to each other. I'm going to keep it lighthearted today with a couple of stories from one of the best people I know, my good friend Tosin Mornfola. He has a whole wealth of stories, so he's almost certainly going to be back on the podcast soon, but here are a couple of his. I have so many stories to tell you. It's hard to know where to start. I'm going to break them up into chunks for you. So, story number one. In high school, we were doing Will Rogers Follies, the musical. Um, I was a senior, and I finally got a good uh, a good leading role in a musical. I was, um, I think his name is Clem Rogers, the father of Will Rogers. And I'm black, and the whole cast is white, so it's already funny that I'm the black dad to a, a white family, inexplicably, in a high school musical. But, you know, that was the beauty of it. But, you know, I'm feeling myself. I'm glad to be in this role. I'm, I'm glad to be a leader of the cast. I don't know if I got overconfident or what, or maybe it was just the way tech was going. But while we were teching the show, uh, I had two similar lines. And I guess right before a huge transition, I said the wrong line. And like, and then that led to my co-actor like skipping to the appropriate response. So we skipped like a whole page page and a half of dialogue which really messed up the costume changes that were happening backstage though there were more wardrobe malfunctions the next song started no one was ready and it was all my fault and uh this was not the only time that happened it happened in uh grapes of wrath as well another show where i was the black main character to a entirely white family which is its own spectacle. Um, but I skipped a good two pages of dialogue with Reverend Casey in the beginning of the play. And I remember thinking, man, that scene went quick. Someone had to tell me, yo, you effed up. <laughs> and I don't know, it's just very funny um, because you think you get over those kinds of like basic mistakes. But no, you can be a professional actor and still make the exact same fundamental errors and memory lapses and that's why you just try to you try your best you try to be a consummate professional and you roll with the punches even if you're the one punching yourself so i worked at a theater called the coterie theater in kansas city for a while and one of the shows we did was shrek and in shrek i played the donkey and i had the whole eddie murphy voice and everything and um at some points in the show we go into the audience trying to find Princess Fiona and it's like risky because you kind of have to tiptoe step over the kids and not step on them but there's like a little path and there's enough light so it, sh it should be a doable thing we rehearsed it it usually goes well but this one time I step into the aisle 
to go to the path to find Fiona into the audience. And I'm like, Shrek, here I come. You know, that kind of thing. And then a kid, like, careens past me, like, runs, like, 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 I don't know, like a little crack addict. Some just, like, running right past me, like, I couldn't even see him. And he almost, like, knocked me over and and scared me. And <laughs> the whole audience laughed at, at my reaction to this kid who was completely unbridled. And then, naturally, my impulse is to say a quick improv, you know, ad-lib about it. And so I said, I started to say, man, these fairies jump out of nowhere in this motherfucker. And then I realized that I was about to say motherfucking during a kid's show in the middle of the ad-lib as it was coming out of my mouth. So I think I said something like, man, Shrek, these kids coming out of nowhere in this And I just kind of like hummed my way to <laughs> to a crash landing of not saying motherfucker during a kid's show. And let me tell you, never has my career flashed before my eyes more than nearly saying motherfucker to a room full of 200 kids. <laughs> the other story I want to tell you about kids in children's theater is we were doing The Wiz, uh, and I was the scarecrow in The Wiz. This was also at the Coterie Theater. And I was acting with a girl named Emily Shackelford, who was this incredible singer. She was playing Dorothy. And we're coming to the final song in the show. Beautiful show. The kids have loved it. A decently small audience. And she's about to sing Home. And it's supposed to be simple and beautiful and really just a showcase of her at the end of this journey. And she gets a verse into this thing. And never before has this happened at that theater without, with me performing at it. And I've been there... I've done hundred shows there, but a kid just got up and walked on stage, just full on walked on stage. Not only did this kid walk on stage, the kid was dressed exactly like Dorothy. It was the cutest thing in the world. And not only was the kid dressed exactly like Dorothy, the kid came up and reached up for Emily's hand to hold Dorothy's hand. And it was just absurdly adorable. So much so that Emily broke down crying. Like she could, she tried to sing. She could not sing. She was just crying at how unbelievably cute and unexpected it was. We were not prepared. I tell you what, we were not prepared for that one. And at some point, the song was just like not happening. The back, the back track was just playing. But there was no vocals happening and the, the cowardly lion and me and the tin man were trying. We were trying to help her get back into it. We, we were singing a little of the words, but it wasn't working and the kid was still on stage with us. No one had come to get this child. So eventually we kind of glanced over the stage manager booth. We, she stopped the track and then we said the cue line again. She played the track again, but she couldn't get into it. She couldn't sing it because it was just too adorable. And in that moment, I also realized you know what? You can't win them all. Or rather, <laughs> rather, winning doesn't always look like what you think it does. Because the audience got a lot out of that show. And the beautiful story. And the equally like meta, poignant ending of trying to come back home. And seeing home in this girl who looked just like you in the audience. And her seeing one who looked like her on stage. So it was a very beautiful moment. Even if the play didn't quite get the ending that was written and rehearsed. But kids, yo, they're wild. Best audience in the world. Because you only get honesty from them. 
You can find Tosin on Instagram at tosin.morenfola. That's T-O-S-I-N dot M-O-R-O-H-U-N-F-O-L-A. Hello, everyone. I just wanted to apologize for the very long hiatus. I've been kind of held up by some personal stuff, but I promise still collecting lots of stories and I have a couple more episodes coming your way very soon. Should be in the next couple weeks. In the meantime, please enjoy this mini-sode with my friend Jake Gwynn. He's a self-proclaimed action director and co-founder of the high-action theater company Havoc Movement here in Atlanta. When I was editing this interview, I had to take a break a few times because I just kept laughing my ass off. I said your neighbors just started playing this music. He like, probably doesn't have time. So. I like sick beats underneath sick. my podcasting. The sick score? Yeah, I like a I sick score. I didn't even score. have to pay for it. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm here with my friend Jake Gwynn. Say hello. What up? <laughs> or what up, that works too. Yeah. Uh, he is an actor, stunt coordinator. Would you, what would you I call yourself? I wouldn't say stunt coordinator. I call myself an action director. Um, action director. Yeah, I like it better than fight choreographer because it's what I want to call myself. <laughs> you know, it's whatever. But like, I'm a fight director. And he also runs Havoc Movement Company, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the artistic director of Havoc Movement Company. Anything nuts ever happened to you on stage dude um yeah <laughs> uh i would say that okay i'm gonna start with like my big guns here right so here's the here's the craziest thing that's ever happened to me on stage is i was working on this show where i was the lead fire performer for the show mm-hmm. and i had this prop called a boomerang staff which is this fire staff that's about five feet long the ends are lit and there's a line in the middle of it so i can like throw the staff out and it spins and i can pull it back and catch it right it was super rad it was great um so i'm in chicago and i'm performing on this touring show and i'm performing for ten thousand people right ten thousand screaming kids in this audience right it's nuts it's the energy is insane right and so at the top of my solo that i've got i jump off of this trampoline and i do a spin-off where i throw off the excess fuel and i make this big old fireball that i then jump through and land and then start my routine right the typical stuff absolutely right Yeah, yeah 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 so that goes really well and i'm like yeah i got it oh sorry it's okay. um, <laughs> i'm just messing up this whole thing right uh <laughs> so i land and i'm going through it and i have this piece where i am supposed to move downstage right and it's in the middle of a catch and i just whiff this catch dude i whiff this catch and it gets tangled in between my legs and so like fire stick itself yeah the fire stick itself is tangled between my legs so i'm downstage alone in front of ten thousand people humping the air trying to pull this stick out from between my legs i set my ass on fire (laughs) and i get it out and so like i'm spanking myself trying to get my fucking butt out and then i just turned into an adult show oh sorry but oh my bad no no no, i was talking about the show you're in oh yeah the adult show oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay you can talk about whatever oh it did it very very quickly turned (laughs) like it went downhill so fast dude and so like that's just the first part right so my ass is on fire i spank my ass in front of all of these kids right and then i'm just trying to like save the whole piece right and so like i hear like my cue for the final moment and it's like this da 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 and like i hear it and i'm like fuck i gotta get it and so like i rip the final moment i try to get the catch and i whiff my final catch and it spins around me and pins my arms to my chest and i have just enough time to like turn around and go fuck for this staff to come over my back and just 
clock me right in the face, man, like down center. So now my mask's on fire after I put my face out. Are your pants still on fire? No, I spanked my ass out. Oh, good. I definitely spanked my <laughs> ass a lot out. Of practice yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely. Tons of practice. <laughs> but my face is on fire, and I'm just like, fuck me. Just just let me die. Just kill me. <laughs> just let me stay on fire. Be a way to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was maybe like my uh, that was my biggest failure in front of my biggest audience, is what I would say there. That's you know? a success. You yeah. Went, I mean, you went down in flames. <laughs> I in a did. Blaze of glory. Ooh, big old blaze of glory. <laughs> I'll tell you that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of my, like, big mess-ups have been, like, uh, uh, setting myself on fire, not when I intended to, <laughs> you know? Um Like, I was doing this whip act one time, this fire whip act one time, and ended up wrapping myself around my waist like a noob and just like whoop, just like my whole torso went up in flames and everything and like half of my beard like burnt off and everything um and so I, my good friend Lido uh like tackled me and put me out it was that is a good friend <laughs> he's a good good friend i bought that dude some tequila he can afterwards. run that he can hang that over your head for oh the rest yeah of your life. he does <laughs> He does. Do you have any like um, scars or anything from that? Surprisingly, no. You know, I've got like um, I've got like some burns and everything, uh, just from kind of like you know, n- nothing more than what you would expect from being set half on fire. You know, I don't know what I would expect. I guess I would expect like Two Face. Oh so no, not <laughs> listeners. No. He does not look like Two Face. No, 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 no. My beard is a little like lopsided, but like that's okay. I can't tell. Oh, sick. I, I comb <laughs> it. I comb it really well. Um, let's see, what else happened, man? Um, man, I've gone through some stuff where, like, uh, I got, uh, I got hit in the face with a sword one time across, like, my bottom teeth. Um, I've been stabbed with a knife as I was, like, in, like, a guillotine choke, like, upside down and my belly was exposed. <gasps> the guy just, like, slipped as he was going for the stab. Just, it was a real like, knife? No, not a real knife, oh. dude. It was a fake knife, but like, it Jesus. fucking hurt like a real knife. It's not, like, the collapsible kind? What, oh, no, those are super dangerous, dude. Okay. It was just, like, a it was like a regular rubber knife and everything. But okay. just, like, the way he got it, like, was just, like, uh. like, dead on. Like, it didn't bend or help at all. And so, like, I was, like, in this moment where, like, it was supposed to be, like, super brutal, right? Right? Like, he was supposed to be just, like, stabbing me. What was this for? Uh, it was just for this, like, collection of scenes as part of the show. It was, like, a showcase and okay. everything. And so, like, he finished it up and, like, uh, you know, usually I'm like, ah, 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 like, really good acting, right? <laughs> and, like, in the middle of it, I go, oh, fuck, dude! <laughs> just, like, yeah. I'm like, oh, hell. Ah, <laughs> oh, hell. Oh, hell, dude. Yeah, that one was pretty bananas. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else? What else have I seen, man? Man, I've gotten to choreograph some really cool stuff. That was pretty rad. Uh, I worked on a Titanic. That was really cool. Mm. And the crazy part about that wasn't actually the sinking of the ship. It was that we were doing it outside in a lake, and the lake had wildlife in it, and a huge population of leeches. <sighs> And so, like, I go down there to try to, do, to like, work it out the first time, right? And, like, I'm, like, jumping off, and I come out, and I'm just like, oh, what are these little things? And just covered 
like I pulled off like forty leeches, dude. Oh. Like just from trouncing in the mud and everything. Oh. Yeah, cheaper it was, than antibiotics, though. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? I felt like, like a blood infection or something. Very medicinally, like <laughs> cleansed. Cleansed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I felt. I, I get why they used leeches in the past. I don't know why we still don't today. You know, right? I, I felt great. Bring back hashtag bring back leeches. Hashtag bring back leeches, man. <laughs> It was awesome. There was one actor, I shit you not, had a leech on his eyeball. <gasps> yeah, and I had to pull the leech off of his eyeball. Like his actual eye, like not not, not like his lid, iris, but like, but like no, like his eyeball. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty. I feel good. Oh, he was fine. He was super, super fine. Yeah. And that never. I mean, that's not a problem you can really solve, is it? I mean, <laughs> you can kill the fucking leeches. Did they? No. I hope. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, we're probably going to have to circle back to those leeches in a future episode. I can't imagine how a production of that scope would not be, like, plagued with problems. For those of you who know. I know one of the actresses hurt her wrist, right? Didn't she, like, fall off and kind of slam her wrist against something? Oh, yeah, that was a, um, she slipped, uh, and that actually wasn't part of the stunt. It Mm. was just that, like, being outside and on the lake, there's just, like, it's just so damp all the time, you know? And so, like, as she was, like, um... As she was like just going through her normal track and everything, she just slipped and like just scraped herself on some of the wood planking and everything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but like, okay. we actually made out okay in terms of like the stunt itself, yeah. you know. And I gotta say, you know, like at the end of the day, I uh, I've managed to come out with a pretty good track record of leading people towards safety. You yeah. know, like I haven't. I haven't choreographed anything that has gotten anyone seriously injured, and I'm super proud of that. Now, what I've Keyboard done being on... choreography. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah, most yeah, right. of the... I've had a lot of accident stories thus far that people getting, like, seriously injured on stage, but they almost all are from, like, they didn't spring for a fight choreographer. They yeah. didn't spring for a stunt. They didn't spring for this and that. They didn't protect us. The difference is palpable, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, just having somebody there who's there to only be concerned about what could go wrong, you know? Like, it's not that, like, the rest of your production team isn't thinking about that, right? I don't think people are malicious, you know? Um, I just think that there's so much on everyone's plate whenever you're putting on a production that it's worth it to have somebody come in and just take a look at it and be like, okay, what is the worst-case scenario for everything that we're doing. I think that's why ultimately I like the idea of being called an action director because it's like, it just encompasses more and gives you the freedom to be like, hey, I I see how we're kind of like running up these stairs. Can we maybe put some grip tape on the stairs, Mm, you know? Or like, hey, there's no lights back here. Can we put some glow tape or something, you know? Stuff that like is on people's minds but just gets lost in the lurch unless somebody's there to really make sure it happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like, that's when I'm in a professional environment and being hired and I'm on my best behavior. You know, like if I'm, if I'm messing around and like, oh, geez, look, nobody's going to hit me harder than I've ever hit myself. You know, <laughs> like I practice a lot of like crazy stuff. And so like, you know, injury is just part of the process that you learn to deal with. Uh, I know you don't have a lot of time. So do you want to like plug any of your own stuff havoc or your own uh not really dudes keep listening to this podcast there's gonna be some hilarious stories that come out of this i'm sure you know i know some of the folks who are coming through here so like i hope folks are gonna like stick with you and just like this is a great way for us to just like share all of our stories collectively like so like good golly gosh i'm gonna laugh my balls off you know these (laughs)
If you're a medical professional and you believe we need to bring back leeches, please visit our hashtag. Just kidding. I'm going to plug Jake's troop anyway. He's the co-founder of Havoc Movement Company on Facebook. That's at Havoc Movement on Instagram. They're this incredibly original theater company doing dazzling work with performance art, circus stunts, aerial silks, juggling, you name it. Listeners, when I started this podcast, I had no idea if anybody was actually going to listen to it. So for everybody who listens, rates, reviews, and especially for everybody who shares their stories with me, I am so, so grateful. Thanks to Blake Long for the theme music and to Chris Mayers for our cover art. If you like these stories, I'm always looking for more. If something nuts has happened to you on stage, please shoot me an email at laurie.winks at gmail.com or find me on Facebook at Laurie Catherine Winkle voiceover and tune in next time for more of this craziness. Atlanta Fringe Audio 2021 is brought to you by the Atlanta Fringe Festival. You can binge on Fringe on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. If you like this piece, leave a comment or review wherever you listen to podcasts.